right, welcome to At Large Bid, uh, 48 Minutes NCAA Basketball Podcast. But for the time being, since we haven't had any NCAA to talk about, uh, we're going to be doing some mini-sodes on the NBA draft. So, uh, Tim Daniel and welcoming back to the show and to the gig, Taylor Birdfeld himself. TB, how you living? I'm good, man. What's going on? Oh, you know, just um, everything is going right. on. Same old, same old, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. There's no same old, same old in 2020. Um, Unfortunately. Right. No kidding. So the goal of this show is we're going to do these short episodes that we're going to put up for you uh, for every team as we get ready for the NBA draft. Kind of talk about what's going on for the team, what they have to look forward to, who's coming back for the team, what free agency looks like, and also their draft slots. So we're excited to get this started. We're going to jump right into it instead of doing the whole powwow of like, well, I really look forward to diving into this, and I really like this. We're just going to do it all here. Um, so let's start at the jump. The number one overall pick this year goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves, Taylor. And this is a team who really, since the trade deadline, has been on a momentum has had a good momentum run with their franchise up till the stop of the uh, pandemic. Were they winning a lot of games? No, but it's like right after they make the trade to get DeAndre Russell and Malik Beasley, cats out. But when those three were on the floor together, their offense was significantly better than they were with Andrew Wiggins. So even though this team had the highest odds with the Warriors to get to number one, you know, to be in that situation, those two in Cleveland, you know, Minnesota does come away with it. Uh, the third number one pick they've had now in fairly decent close time. What six years? Right. Yep. So, um, but yeah, with you, I feel like they're I feel like they're moving in the right direction. Getting D'Lo is huge. Um, yeah. You got D'Lo and Cat when the dynamic one two, and then obviously we'll get into what we think they need. But they're I think they're I don't think regardless of who they take at one, they're miraculously in the playoffs. But I agree. I, mean, I think that the piece can help build onto something that they're trying to. Now the playoffs are definitely the goal. Like you don't get form cat and D'Angelo Russell together to just be Nothing. the 10 seed. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get into, I'm sure who, who's a good fit and other pieces, but I honestly like, we'll talk about it later, but right they're they're on the rise. And I think if you're a Timberwolves fan, you're ecstatic because you're like, all right, look, we've got a point guard of the future. And now we have the number one overall pick, which we can take X amount of players. So yeah, so um, kind of like putting some information together on the Wolves and looking at what they kind of had going for them. Uh, one thing that really jumped out to me in particular was after they got Malik Beasley, just how much better their offense got. So, you know, their core is already pretty solid. Um, you know, Towns, Russell, you know, that was a solid, what, they probably played a quarter before he got hurt. And it was like, right. oh, yeah, there was this. Um, but you know, you bring Malik Beasley in and your offense scores 11 points per 100 possessions. And that was kind of like one of the top groups, um, you know, defensively, though, that group is not exactly no. stopping you and me from scoring four points. Um, I say that politely, but, you know, on the offense side of the ball, you have those three and then you're adding and you know, the additional piece there. Uh, like you said, it seems like they're moving in the right direction. I like all the like pieces they got as far as their bench as well in those trades. Getting guys like Jared Vanderbilt, who are low-risk, high-reward. Um, I really like their young roster. Jared Culver's still there, mm -hmm. who they got in the draft recently, um, just last year. So, really, as far as that group goes, you know, the upside is certainly there for this team. You have two guys, like you said, in Cat and Towns, who have been NBA All-Stars before. These guys have been begging to play together since they got drafted. Um, obviously, with an additional piece that 
doesn't look like they're going to be leaving Phoenix anytime soon after their bubble success. That's what I was saying is like <laughs> if, if they go two and six in the bubble, I think the number one overall pick doesn't belong to Minnesota. I agree. I think yeah, it belongs I, to Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So when you look at this team and you look at the personnel they have now, what do you see from the Wolves as far as, you know, upside, downside, how you feel about this, the young core group they have? They are a very young roster. I think Towns might be the second oldest player on the team, if that tells you anything about where they are. Um, right, kind of I mean, echoing what you said, the um, two all-stars, Russell and Cat. Um, Malik Beasley comes in, can space the floor. He's a really good three-point shooter. Um, you know, Vanderbilt, high-risk, high-reward, or high-risk, sorry, low-risk, high-reward. But he, um, I need to see a little bit more out of him. He needs to stay healthy, obviously. He had problems right. with Kentucky and then, you know, problems in the first year. Culver, he had a decent first year. Um, I think people were expecting a little bit better, but – I mean, looking back two years ago, not a lot of people, the diehard college basketball fans knew about him before the Final Four run, but I think he elevated his stock a little bit with that Final Four run. Um, I think he's a good player. I think he'll develop fine there. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, defensively they need to work on it, but they're young. I mean, young players always struggle defensively. Veterans know how to kind of, you know, see the floor and realize what risk to take, what not to take, and that ends up, you know, paying well for them. But I think overall Minnesota, they are trending towards the playoffs, but we'll see um, – I, I think, you know, they could sneak in easily anywhere from the five to eight spot. I don't think they're going to contend with the top dogs, but um, I think in the long run, especially with, you know, developing pieces like Culver and then whoever they take at one, I think they can kind of establish a future and their cap, their cap situation isn't bad. They have enough to pay cat. They have enough to pay D'Angelo the next time go around. So, you know, and they're already locked in contracts. So I think they can build for the future with the young guys that they got now. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about that group, let's look at kind of this, this team this year. Um, they were 19 and 45. So some of the guys, yeah, whoosh, a little rough there, sure. Um, you know, they were playing guys like Evan Turner and Omari Spellman. You know, um, Joseph Koji is another guy. So it seems like, you know, they have spaces, you know, the, like as far as positional-wise, they have guys at every position, it seems like. Obviously, they have a good center, but, you know, Nas Reed was really a big upside pick for them as far as getting him as undrafted. He played, played really well for them. Um, Jake Lehman was kind of like an internet darling basketball player for a bit there this season uh, after getting traded there from Portland. Right. Um, yeah, he ended up shooting. Um, it's funny. Jake Lehman in 2K knocks down everything. So does uh, – it reminds me of, like, remember, like, 2K, God, like, 13 through, like, 16. If you had Chase Budinger, A, he would make <laughs> everything deep, and then he would dunk on everybody. He was, like, a glitch in the game. It's kind of funny. Tayshawn Prince was that way, too. I would always mm-hmm. trade for Tayshawn Prince. Right. Um, so – you know, James Johnson's kind of like the one guy you're like, yeah, he's about 70, so maybe in NBA terms, so maybe not so much there. But um, I don't really necessarily know if I see this group going in the draft uh, as far as a big man. So, you know, James yeah. Wiseman on Yeke on Kung Wu. I don't necessarily know if that's a situation where they put them together with Cat. Um, I could see Okung Wu for the sake of the defense. I think Wiseman's definitely got more defensive upside than him. Um, but I think this is a team that's like, especially with what you're seeing in the bubble where all these teams are just scoring a ton of points and want to make score baskets. I think they're going to look for a scorer for sure, um, which obviously brings in the idea of Anthony Edwards, who a lot of people have projected between him and LaMelo Ball be the number one pick. Um, let's kind of compare and contrast how both could work in the situation. So let's start with LaMelo because it seems like he's the biggest name in this draft. Um, a lot of people seem to think he's the best player in this draft. I think those two are one and two, you know, depending on your boards and who you talk to in the moment. For me, where LaMelo makes sense for them as a facilitator, I love D'Angelo Russell. I think he's a great scorer. I just don't think of him as really an assist guy. Um, 
you know, to put in context, the best he's had assists per game was oh, actually he had six uh, he had six point six per game since the trade. Uh, his time in Golden State, he had six and three. His last year in Brooklyn, he had seven. So I'm wrong there. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I to kind of counterbalance that. Like I think Lamella is a terrible fit. Like you look what you look what happened with D'Angelo and Golden State. Like Steph and D'Angelo are both ball dominant guards, and mm-hmm. when, when one of them isn't playing off the ball, like I don't need D'Angelo Russell coming off screens hitting threes. Like he's a very good three point shooter but he's good in that way because he creates his own shot or he gets teammates involved and moves without the ball. But, you know, he primarily has the ball, whereas LaMelo is a similar player who has a ton more upside, I think. But um, I think, you know, LaMelo could help because it would, it would, you know, kind of further things with getting D'Angelo a little less pressure on the ball. But overall, I think, you know, I think LaMelo needs to go to a team where he would have the ball from day one rather than sharing time with, uh, D'Angelo. That, therefore, I think, you know, Anthony Edwards is clear-cut the guy. Had dominant wing at Georgia. Had a mediocre college career, we'll call it, but he really wasn't surrounded with any talent. Mm-hmm. Um, he can score at different levels. He can shoot. He can take it off the dribble. He's very athletic, very good defensively on his time there, but it's it's hard to focus in on how good he was defensively when his team's giving up 200 points a night. Like, it doesn't <laughs> really matter, um, but I think he kind of fits in that mold that Culver doesn't have to be the guy right away. You can let Edward slide in and be that guy, and then Culver can develop on his end too. So, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say is I don't think Lamella Ball is a fit, but I was gonna say like what I did was you know, just so I'd have a facilitator. Um, I agree with you. D'Angelo Russell is a guy that really you don't see be very successful in ball screens and coming off like a screen, a, you know, catch and shoot kind of guy. He is a pull up off the dribble kind of guy. He is a you know bring the ball down the court and facilitate through him uh, kind of player. And that's why I agree with you. I think I go Anthony Edwards here for that sake. Everything you name, plus I think he just fits better what they want to do. Um, Edwards is a little questionable as far as his defense. I know he had some moments in Georgia where he looked pretty good. But for me, I kind of think like, you know, they're going to want to go out there and score and probably not stop anybody from scoring. They're going to be, you know, kind of like Portland where it's like, yeah, we might score 150, 129, but on a bad night, we're going to give up 130. So um, I could definitely see that be the case. I think Edwards fits really well as far as, you know, playing off Russell, um, that guy who can kind of uh, come off that screen, like we mentioned. He can, you know, take the ball off the dribble. He can get into the paint very easily. Um, that, that uh, you know, drive and dish kind of play with Cat and, you know, with Culver, with Beasley. Now, that group's very small, um, very small. You know, does kind of remind you of the Blazers in the sense of um, – you know, they probably do need to go get a backup center and you know, to go along with Nas Reed and kind of do they have a position. second round pick or anything or that's what I'm checking right now, actually, because it just thought of that. Like if they uh, sneak up back in the end of the first or let me see here. Not that this draft is, you know, loaded with front court talent. It's really sure. Not, but... Sure. Cause they actually, yeah, they have the 17th pick as well. Um, so that's a situation there where say if you're the Timberwolves, Say you get Anthony Edwards with the first pick. You're already off to a good start. At 17, you've got a, you're probably going to have a decent group of guys that you can put next to Cat to kind of keep that going. Um, I think Jalen Smith, Smith from Maryland makes a ton of sense. Uh, that's a, you know a really talented guy. Um, I don't think they'll necessarily have to go this like this high to get him, um, but I think Daniel Oturu from Minnesota can make some sense for. Would trade down. Would trade down and take Vernon Carey. That's a good thing as well. Uh, that's a good idea. Isaiah Stewart. I, I don't understand. Trade down for. I don't understand how both of those guys are not higher than they are. I think Vernon carries is more because he was like, I guess I'll play center. I don't really want to play center, but 
pretty damn good center. <laughs> I know, but like you can let him play the four backup five. Like, you know, I don't know. He's, he's, he's athletic enough where he can hold his own, I think. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's Isaiah Stewart, um, Ronnie Carey, sorry. And there's a couple other guys like, yeah, the Daniel Toro from Minnesota that, you know, they're, they're all kind of similar players. Like, I think Smith and Atour are very similar, very veteran Big Ten players, whereas Isaiah Stewart and Carey are raw freshmen that came out of the draft um, that have flashed in the pan, some good moments, and then a lot of moments where you're like, holy shit, like I would not develop – I wouldn't trust him with anything. Like the key – Carolina, as bad as they were last year, they really um, – when they isolated Cole Anthony top of the key, putting Vernon Carey in ball screens, like Cole had his way with him. And if Cole can do that, I mean, I think any guard in the NBA is going to be able to do that as well. So. Okay, here's something I'm thinking about while I'm kind of putting something together. This is just my crazy Tim thought process here. Ryan Saunders loves point guards. He loves, you know, you saw that a lot with the Timberwolves last year. I mean, anyone who could bring the ball down the court, he had run the offense. What if you do this? Tell me if you think I'm crazy. Tell me if you think this wouldn't work. We've, we've already agreed Anthony Edwards at one. We think makes the most sense, score, big-time player for them, great. Um, what if at 17, because you have 33 in the second round, so you've got the third pick in the second round, where I think this draft is going to be a lot of role players, a lot of guys who are going to play five, seven years in the NBA, but you know, getting you 15, 16 minutes off the, off the bench. What if at 17 you go Cole Anthony to be your backup point guard to D'Angelo Russell for a little while, and then at 33 you go Daniel Oturu? Would you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think Cole's instant offense and something right in and out. Who's their backup now? Is it Shabazz? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it tells me everything I need to know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good idea. It, that if everything falls their way, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you, I think at 17, you kind of, you know, the draft doesn't always go at chalk. And I think this draft is, if any of them isn't, it's pretty one of the hardest ones to predict. Um, it is. So yeah. That, you know, piece, people are going to go early. People are going to go late. It's going to be interesting, but I think you take the best available player. I mean, you could double up and take another wing, take another and just kind of, try to holster your two and three spot for the future. Um, yeah, I can uh, see, like, Josh Green from Arizona there. I think he'd be awesome for them. Yeah, he, he knocked down shooter. I just – I don't know. It, it's hard because Pac-12 basketball is so bad that he, <laughs> he, he got lost at times. So, it's like – I don't know. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all in for taking the best player, um, bolster that two and three spot. and then. But I wouldn't hate taking Cole Anthony either, let him learn behind D'Angelo, who's a – the only problem is I feel like D'Angelo is so young and that you're kind of just wasting – like Cole's early years. Like he doesn't get that chance to struggle or like a Kobe White did or like a any other guard that gets drafted and he's given the keys basically from day one. Like he has to grow True. and learn to struggle. When you're playing 16 minutes a game, it's hard to really get behind all that. Yeah, that's a good point because I could also see a scenario where, again, we're spitballing here. Um, I know a lot of people seem to like um, uh, Alexei Pokuzevsky, a.k.a. known as Poku mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, he's a seven-foot power forward. He's a guy that you can put next to Cat. He's a really good passer. He's got, you know, he can block shots. He can shoot threes. So I think that's also a good fit for them there. Coming out of Greece. Did he play for Rick Patino's Greece team, or do I have that mixed up? Um, I, I don't think, think he, he did. I don't think he did, no. Yeah. Like... But like you said, this draft is so, like, unpredictable. So safe-wise, I think if we put a situation together where, say, okay, one Edwards, 17, let's say to take elect, uh, Poku, and then at 33, you see them take, um, like, Zeke Naji from Arizona. You love it. I would love that big. I think that's a really good draft. I think yep. that's something where, you know, they, they put, like, the ton of pieces together. Um, I know Tankathon has Robert Woodard, the second from Mississippi State there. I like that fit for them. Mm -hmm. um, 
doesn't really know that you know we don't have a lot to show that they really trust um jared vanderbilt's health in that situation um right. you know robert woodard played and he was on the court a lot so you know in that second round you know if, if they don't go that route say you go like a I don't think Jaden McDaniels is going to drop down to that point. I think he's going to be very high in the second round or, you know, late first. Uh, Desmond Bain from TCU, who is, like, kind of rising through the charts. You've seen anywhere from late lottery to early second lately. Right. Um, I could see Bain going a ton of different places. So I think, you know, they're going to have a ton of options. I don't think they're going to trade down. Um, no. Like, we're going to talk about the Warriors later uh, next week. I could definitely see the Warriors trading down mm-hmm. um, in this situation. When I talked to them, they told me everything is on the table. Especially because they're trying to get pieces. Like, that yes. number two pick is an enticing pick. Do they really need it? Not Essentially not. But no. if you bolster that up with a couple a player or two and trade for whoever they want, then, yeah, that, that pick comes pretty enticing. So Yeah, I agree. All right, so we'll wrap up the Wolves with this. Like I said, we want to make these quick and easy uh, easy episodes. Edwards at one. At 17, I will say they go – I go Jalen Smith, just build up that front court. Um, and then at 33, I would say Robert Woodard the second. Okay. I'll go Anthony Edwards at one. Um, I'll say, yeah, either Jalen Smith or Toro um, at, at, at 17. And then 33, I'm kind of with you. Um, I can see him taking Jamarius Ramsey from Texas Tech. I know that's another guy. Yeah, another guy you can get to play behind Edwards, kind of develop him at the same time. Um, But, yeah, I'll go those three. I think definitely getting Edwards the best player available at one, bolstering that uh, that front court with Cat with their 17th or their 33rd pick, and then the opposite pick is, you know, trying to add more depth to the two and three spots. So I'm with it. Yeah, I like it. Go Wolves. All right, so that's going to wrap this one up real quick. Um, like I said, we're going to do these very quick, easy episodes. So our next one will be on the Warriors. We're just going to go through the draft, go through the draft order, and we will keep this updated as well. So TB, appreciate episode one of this, um, and we will see you guys for episode two next week. Yes, sir.